What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. John, how you doing? Man, better than ever. Better than ever. <laughs> you look a little tired, man. <laughs> it's been a long day, so let me tell you about the day. So, from early, I got in from a flight at 12, went to bed at 1, woke up at 7 with the baby, took him to daycare. It's his birthday today, went to work. It's a conference, picked him up, celebrated his birthday, and yeah, and and we find ourselves here. So, it's been a... <laughs> Been a long day. <laughs> nah, man. I, I appreciate you being here, and I'm excited to get into um, you know school board stuff. Man. Yes, uh, you are the uh, school board member for District Four, um, the incumbent. Yes, you, know, you got uh, elections coming up in May and August. Yeah, May and August. <laughs> uh. So, man, before we get into the meat and vegetables, man, uh, tell a little people about yourself. Um, natural native. Yeah. Um, maybe some things that we can't Google about you. You know, tell yeah. us the tell us a deep dark yeah. secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I am a natural native, born and raised here, family born and raised here. And I went to public schools. I went to if anybody know the east side, I went to Dalewood, Inglewood, Lytton and Stratford. I left Stratford prematurely. I was kicked out, I was expelled, um, and I end up going to the Institute of Learning Research. Somehow, by God, I found my way at TSU um, on, a, on a college trip. I saw people who looked like me, who were listening to the same music, who dressed like me in college. And that was the first time I realized that someone like me could go to college. Went to TSU. Um, my senior year, I did an internship in the governor's office with Governor Bredesen. And from there, you know, when they say when they let you in the door, they let you in the door. When they put me in the door with politics, when they put me in the door with advocacy, like advocating for my community, mm -hmm. you know, the rest is history. Man, um, what was going on in your neighborhood or community in East Nashville that, that initially didn't, didn't say I could go to college? I mean, we... So I'm first generation. That's kind of crazy because my mom was brilliant. Mm -hmm. So, but my mom's journey, she lost her mom at 12. Mm. She went through the system. She had my brother when she was 16. Mm. So 12 to 16. And she lived a hard life. She met my father, you know, changed her life around. And they moved us to a, a good neighborhood. You know, our neighborhood was right across from Arpyland. Mm -hmm. And then when they tore Arpyland down, it was Opry Mills. But I think for us, with my mom working 12-hour shifts at the post office, mm -hmm. she went to get a real estate license, which was amazing. But that took more and more time in the weekend. Right. I really just found myself being raised by the streets. And so although we had a very good house, I mean, I just identify with people who are not in my community, and I, I just became a product of my environment. Right. That that expulsion, man. What happened? <laughs> why? How, why did you get expelled? So, I, I would say, I was always a good kid. I was always like in honors classes, right. but I was always a friend mm -hmm. to people. So I played football. I played basketball. When football season was in and basketball season was in. 
I was on my best behavior when basketball season would end March. Um, I would find myself getting reacclimated with the community. And one day at Stratford, we were in the, the auditorium and it was hundreds of kids in the auditorium. You want to tell me the only thing that was missing was teachers. And so when you got a, a hundred kids in the auditorium with no teachers, a fight breaks out. I get jumped. My friends get jumped. Um, and I could take it, but I, as I got home, I was threatened with more violence of if I came to school the next day, they were going to take my life. And it was hard to swallow. And so I did the thing that I, that I knew how to do best. I called a friend and said, hey, I don't want to die tomorrow. Can you give me a gun? Mm. And, you know, it, yeah, it was a bad situation, but I really believe everything happens for a reason. Right. And me being expelled from Stratford put me in a position to be around people, to give me the ability to go to TSU. Right. I lost my mom. Mm. I lost, my dad got locked up for conspiracy. I lost my oldest brother who was already in jail. And, and I'm a true believer of everything happens for a reason because in all that tragedy, I was being set up in my mm. purpose to have experience, to have empathy, right. to do the things that I wanted to do that I'm doing right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, you can't find that on Google. I, didn't I know, know that. I know. Man, but I think though, Because there's so many kids, so many youth in our, in our school system here in Nashville, you know, are facing, mm. you know, similar scenarios, right? And many a times, you know, you, you may not have somebody on the board mm -hmm. that can really, you know, empathize with you, understand, and mm -hmm. know that, yeah, you, you, you're not a bad kid. You just made a right. bad choice. You made a one right. bad decision that can, you know, um, alter your trajectory. Yeah. Um, Especially if somebody that may be sitting in um, a power of decision making mm -hmm. don't understand. So I think, you know, unfortunately it had to happen to you, but, you know, at least you, you know, made it through that dark time right. into the light and can possibly, you know, see, like, look, this is not a bad, you know, student. Mm -hmm. he, he or she made a bad decision. Yeah, they need to be reprimanded in yep. a particular way, but that don't mean their future has to be over. Amen. Amen. Man, that's deep, man. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a long day and just talking about it, it it's a form of therapy for me to say because going through those situations is not anything is like you know sunshine it, it's a very dark place right you know but the reason why i appreciate being on the school board and running for re-election because i really have those experiences right. i can really look students children in the eyes and say you can do it. And, right. I, and I'm going to tell you why you can do it. Right. So this is not about politics. It's really about passion. Mm -hmm. It's really about how do we change the trajectory of our community that's not being able to realize the American dream. Right. Well, you say it's not about politics for you, but mm -hmm. they have seemed to really politicize our school education. Yeah. Uh just right here in Nashville, right? Yeah. Um, now it's a partisan race, yeah. right? You all have to run in May yep. and in August. Yes. You have to identify with a party, yep. Democrat, Republican, Independents, 
et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about that? I think it's a smokescreen. And so the interesting thing, how I got started in politics, I went to the Republican National Convention in 2004 and I learned politics. I came back and I interned with a Democrat, Governor Bredesen, right across the street from here. And while I was doing that internship, I was able to step in committee meetings, meet with senators and state representatives on both sides of the aisle and, and start to realize, what do I believe in? And I, and I think self-identifying is important, but when I think about our education system, I don't agree with partisan politics because our only job is to make sure our kids get the best education system and it has nothing to do with party affiliation because what we do as school board members and people who work in education is you cultivate the next generation. And when you put politics into it, you, you smoke it up. Right. And in my reality, I say, we got so many issues already. Why would we bring politics into the realm of education? How do you think, um it will affect uh, elections? I mean, for some seats it will, for some seats it won't. You know, mm -hmm. some school board members, they either a solid D right. or a solid R. You know, my district is purple. You know, it's majority Democrat, um, but Republicans, when I say majority, maybe it's 55, 45. Mm -hmm. um, but when you think about the independents, the independents lean Republican, and so, you know, this is what I believe in. It's not politics. We ain't. Right. We are not talking about Bloods and Crips or Democrats and Republicans. Right. We're talking about kids. Right. And just when they made it partisan, I said, I just got to stick with the same message. Right. What's hurting our kids? Where are our kids thriving? Mm -hmm. And let's focus on what's going positive, and then let's focus on like what's sending us backwards, right. and lead the politics out of it. And so, um, speaking of our kids in our, you know, public school system, what what do what, what do our youth need? You know, um, I've heard a lot of things um, around SROs, mm -hmm. right? Uh, funding, mm -hmm. social and emotional learning. Oh yeah. Uh, pay wage. You yes, know, it's, yes. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so. Um, can you break down to us, like, kind of your priorities and what you feel would best serve, you know, District 4, but our overall yeah, school yeah. system here? So every vote we make, I represent Donaldson, Hermitage, and Old Hickory. If you ask parents and voters who I am, they know, like, I'm a person who fights for what he believes in. When we think about what do we need when we think about the resources, I mean, I'm gonna just be honest. Black, brown, and poor people have not made it in education. But one thing that we can all agree on, the only way you make it in America is you have a good education. And so things are not adding up. I was talking to one constituent, Caucasian, and she was very passionate about education. She was telling me, we need to support our veterinarians. And I was like, I don't got anything to do with that. But as she kept talking, I realized that she meant veterans. Mm. And her journey as a white woman and my journey as a black man was the same. 
And what we need to do is stop having division and realize that in the it city in Nashville, poor white people, black people, Latinos, we are not getting what we need and we have to make a change. Right. And when I think about Nazi Germany, so I'm a, I study history, they started to divide everyone and then they conquered everyone individually. Mm -hmm. Because while we were mad at each other, they would take one in. And if I'm mad at you and they fighting you, I'm like, you deserve it. Once they finished fighting with you, then they came to get me and I had no ally. And so we have just real work to do in public education. In your campaign, um, on your platform, you highlight staff, um, bus drivers, mm -hmm. and of students, right? That bus drivers one stick out to me a lot mm -hmm. because you know, that's the, the main transportation yeah. uh, provided for free you yeah. know, um, for our students. Uh, but many people don't think about the bus drivers yeah. and, you know, uh, a lot of times. Uh, but if mm -hmm. the bus is late, people, you know, mm -hmm. hey, why the bus they're late? Up and on. Yeah, they're up on them. So, so um, why why specifically and intentionally highlight bus drivers? Why, why is that, like, a priority? Yeah. Why does that sit heavy for you in your platform? I'm not a religious zealot, but you can call me a Jesus freak. Like, I'm a Christian. I believe in what he practiced, what he preached. And one of the things he said, he thought about the least of them. Mm -hmm. And when you think about bus drivers, these are individuals who get up bright and early each morning and they work well into the evening and they bring our kids to help us start with our kids right. in the school to learn. And without them, as we see, when you don't have good bus drivers, the kids can't get to school. And so when we think about education, we can't even start. And so the reason I, that was an issue that I championed because I started realizing that a lot of the bus drivers were born and raised or had been living here for 20 plus years in Nashville. And as the cost of living grew, you know, rent grew, mortgage grew, groceries, right now gas, we were not even thinking about our bus drivers. And it's just something we had to pause and say, how are you doing? And right. when you ask, how are you doing? Not to one, but to 20, you realize we have an issue. Right. You brought up something earlier about the the division, right? Um, mm -hmm. Poor poor folks, black and brown folks, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we know systemically, you know, there's disparities in our school, in our mm -hmm. public school system when it comes to black and brown folks, yep. especially black and brown boys. Mm -hmm. How do we combat that systemic, uh, those racially systemic disparities that, you know, probably have historically existed mm -hmm. in our education system, just not here in Nashville, but you know, yeah, across, yeah, across the country. Yeah. So my message has always been black, brown, and poor people. You know, in my professional career, I worked in Mississippi. I worked in Boonville, Mississippi, Ocean Springs. And I realized poor white people have it just as bad as black and brown because it's a class issue. When I think about specifically Nashville, I just realized that year in and year out, we do the same thing and our people are drowning. Our people are drowning and they're asking for the life raft. 
and we never, ever give it to them. Mm -hmm. And I just want to do something different. You know, I'm running for school board to say, you know, I'm always, I was always a rubber rouser, always challenging the system. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I want to understand the system. I want to understand what are we doing wrong and what can we do better? And that's why I decided to run, you know, someone who is a political, who manage racist, who helps school board candidates win. I said, I want to understand it too, because we have a serious problem in our communities and I want to figure out, you know, let's just don't complain about it, but how do we make it better? Right. So let's, let's power is a big thing, mm-hmm. right? And um, there may be some people who don't understand um, the power mm-hmm. that you hold in in, in your in your colleagues, mm-hmm. holding school board members. Can you can you break that down and give us an insight of uh, the power that you have? Um, as a school board member to uh, best mm. serve, you know, Nashville in the education system. So even though we get paid pennies, my wife asked me, do you really want to do this again? And my easiest response was, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hell yeah because our city's budget is two point, let's say $7 billion. Our school's budget for Metro, Nashville, public schools, I ask people this, what's our budget? They say 10 million, 100 million, maybe 200 million, but our school's budget is $1.3 billion a year. And some people look at me and they say, that's not enough. That's not enough to educate our kids. It's not enough to do the things we need to do. And my response is, how much is enough? so we can raise it because in our communities, in black, brown, and poor communities, they are not getting the education, but I study and I study systems and I know if you don't have a good education in this city, in this country, you don't make it. And you know, it's just a question, like what do we do? Right, and so how do, how do you use your power as school board member to to get those things Mm -hmm. done? Because some people might not, you know, some people might show up to the meeting, yeah. okay, you vote sometimes here and yeah. there. But uh, I think it's a little more deeper than that. Yeah. So every vote I take represents all 86,000 kids in Metro National Public public Schools, all the parents from Donaldson, Hermitage, Old Hickory, to Bordeaux, to Bellevue, to Madison. But what I try to do differently when I was running for school board, I said, if you elect me, I'm not taking my brain to the table. I'm not saying whatever I think is the best because you elected me. What I want to do if you give me the honor to elect me, I want to make sure that I'm listening to the people. And we have nine districts in Metro National Public Schools. And I want to be that voice for Donaldson Hermitage and Old Hickory. And so my district is... 80% Caucasian. And so what I have to do, because if you are elected by the people, that means you got to represent the people. Right. And so I spend countless hours listening to the people in my district to give me the information. And there's some things that I totally agree with. And there's some things I disagree with. But at the end of the day, it's not countywide, it's district level. And to give people true representation, 
I have to listen to the mothers, the fathers, and the voters in my district. Well, that's that's a that's a that's a interesting like paradigm you have to balance, right? Because mm-hmm. you're a black man. Yeah. Right, and you understand like there's a significant difference in 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 education when it comes to like a black boy and yeah. a white boy, a black girl and a yeah. white girl. Facts. So how do you how do you balance that? I'm listening to my constituents mm-hmm. and hearing them out, mm-hmm. but also recognizing like, hey, mm-hmm. I get it that mm-hmm. 80% of y'all, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, feel like this is going to best benefit your child, but how can we best benefit equitably mm-hmm. every child, right? How do you do that? How do you communicate that to yeah. your constituents? So some people think a small number of people who reach out are the loudest in the room, and that's the majority. What I've realized in Donaldson, Hermitage, and Old Hickory, that 90% of the time that I agree with what my district is bringing me. I agree with safety. I agree with making sure our kids can read on grade level. I agree with not criminalizing the teachers that teach our kids. And I may get emails and I may get messages, but it's a small majority of people who don't want to see the greater good happen. And so when I say I'm listening to my district, I'm very intentional and I reach out to the masses. Right. I don't I don't wait for them just to reach out to me. I'm proactive. And when when I'm proactive, I realize that, OK, like this is the general view and not just the people who reached out to me because they know me and have the means. Right, right. This is an interesting question I like to I okay. always ask um, our black brothers and sisters because we hard on each other. Mm-hmm. Has your blackness ever been questioned since being on the school board because of a, a vote? You did something you did vote for or something you didn't vote for? So I remember hearing from biracial kids and they would say that I'm not white enough and I'm not black enough. Mm -hmm. Who I am and what I represent, I now understand what they mean. I can't fight enough for my people at times and I can't be an advocate for my district enough at times. And so I get messages from Moms for Liberty and I get messages from the NAACP. And I take those messages and I represent my district. But at times, everybody in the middle, you know, everybody has an opinion. Right. And a lot of times they feel I don't have their best interest, but I go back to what does my district want? because we have nine districts in the city. And so I am here to be a voice. Like philosophically, that's how I believe. I believe that I should represent the people who live in the district. And, you know, people can say whatever they want to say, but at the end of the day, I know they can always say that John goes hard for what he believes in. That's a good answer. Mm -hmm. That's a real good answer. Um, 
and I think that's just a navigation skill mm-hmm. that many of us, uh, especially black folks specifically, when we are in these positions, have to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't, you can't fight everybody. You can't, you can't, especially you can't, you can't. I'm a fighter. <laughs> we can't fight everybody. You can't fight everybody. You mentioned something, um, safety, yeah. which is real. So, you know, all parents want their kids to be yes. safe in schools. Yes. One of the ways that um, Metro Public Schools um, and has done mm. that is um, my MOU with the MNPD yeah. uh, for SROs, yeah. school resource offices. Yeah. Um, there's been some, uh, some talks, conversations about the effectiveness mm-hmm. uh, of SROs, the need. Mm-hmm. Do they really um, keep students safe? Um, looking at nationally, how often do school shootings happen? Mm-hmm. Um, do I want my kids, especially mm-hmm. maybe as a black or brown um, parent, do I want my black or brown child interacting with police on a daily basis mm-hmm. in at school? Early age, yeah. um, what is their role? Is How clear is that, right? Yeah. Um, are they being used for enforcement? Um, or are they counselors? Mm-hmm. You know, it's been some confusion about that. Um, what are your thoughts on SROs? Yeah. Um, should they be in schools? Is there a place for police in schools? Yeah. Or is it something that they should be kind of replaced by other type of professionals that can best serve students such as counselors mm-hmm. um what are your thoughts i mean that's a that's a difficult conversation but deep dish that's what we do deep dish okay. we have we have deep conversations about these things so i'm just speaking from my own experiences and i will right. you know people can agree or disagree but in my household in east nashville i live next door to a policeman jack daniels who arrested my brother for doing illegal behavior. I also remember Officer Gordon when I came to school with a gun because I feared for my life and he pulled me in his office. And in my opinion, it's not about police or no police. It's the difference between when I think about police, I think it's fear, sympathy, and empathy. And when you have someone who fears who you are and what you represent, that is very dangerous. It's life or death. When you have a police officer, whether they're called police or SRO, who has empathy, who may have grown up in the community or a similar environment, Mm -hmm. you meet someone who can really create a better culture for the school. Right. And so... So one thing that I feel strongly about, just to take a stance on it, we don't need SROs or police officers in our elementary schools. But in my community, Donaldson, Hermitage, and Old Hickory and McGavick, we do need police officers. Like, we need police officers to have a presence, but also protect our kids. Because I get those calls, black, white, and brown, when parents say, my child just got beat unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And I can think about a counselor, right? 
the counselor wouldn't have helped when I saw the video on this because we're in the age now where they video record and right. it was nothing a counselor could have done. And it was nothing really the police could have done because it's, it was 2,000 students in the school and it was two SRO officers. Um, I think we got to treat, we can't have a one size fits all model, I think is where I'm trying to go. If it works, great, and if it doesn't work, let's figure it out. But I think giving a blanket response is not gonna work. And one thing I realized working in schools, I thought parents really cared about academics. Like, oh, is this school thriving? Are they getting kids at college? And that's what I would promote. But I realized quickly that parents first cared about safety and academics second. And so that was black, white, Latino, and other. They cared about safety. You don't want your kid coming home with a black eye or feeling like they were bullied or anything else. And so to speak directly to that issue, I think we cannot have a one-size-fits-all model. Mm -hmm. We really got to look at each school and the capacity for protectors, whether it's counselors or SROs, and that's how we got to figure it out. Um, you brought up something um, about uh, parents that mm-hmm. just triggered something. Um, there's a lot of new parents moving here to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of adults. A lot of parents. a lot of adults moving to to Nashville. Um, some of these adults are, have kids. Yes, have kids, and. Um, a lot of these uh, move, a lot of these adults with kids are coming into areas that are being gentrified. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the school that I went to, Pearl Cone. Mm-hmm. If you look at Twenty Eighth Avenue North, mm. a lot of tall and skinnies now. Mm. But if you look at Pearl Cone, it's still probably I'm for ninety eight, ninety nine point eight percent. It is black. Right. Do you see danger in uh, or pa- or reason to to pause when you when we have this influx of new people coming, mm-hmm. but not sending their kids to public schools? So the issue is right now, and the only reason I can say this with confidence because I looked at the Wortham laws, which are in North Nashville, by the Monroe and Rosa Parks Krogers, when they first moved in. 2008, 2009, they didn't have children in the system. They were, you know, they were jogging, creating bike lanes. You really realize their presence. 2022, they do have kids. And they are making decisions on, you know, as we go back and we talk about safety. I think think it was a study that said maybe 80 to 90 new people are moving here a day, Mm -hmm. which is a lot. What you also realize, most of those people don't have children yet, but the American dream is to have children and send them to a good school, and so it's coming, and we got to monitor that. Right. And so when I think about Pearl Cone, I think about 28th Avenue, it, it hurts to see what the community is turning into. And I think the larger issue is not just black people, but 
shit. Like, I see white people. Like, white people getting priced out. When you think about Jolton, when you think about Madison, when you think about Goodlettsville, like, it's not a race issue. It's a, are you rich? Are you poor? Right. Do you live in a trailer park or do you live in a 2,700-square-foot house? Right. And my part of working in Donaldson Hermitage, you know, Hickory, I realized that, you know, it's turned into classism. Mm. And, you know, as an organizer, we all got to come together. So when I talk about fighting for the soul of Nashville, that's that's anybody who believes that people who help build this city shouldn't be priced out. Right. So what would you say to, it can even be a native. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think, especially people my age, I would say I'm 31. Mm-hmm. I went to, you know, grew up here. I'm having kids, and my mm-hmm. peers, right, having kids, or I've mm. already had kids, right? Millennials, let's just say that. I know what school I went to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I might, I might say, ah, this. Mm-hmm. If I, I had fun, and yeah. as a, and as, as a child, I think as a child, so it was a great experience yeah. for me right get older you learn more about mm-hmm. you know you see some other things some other systems some other mm-hmm. educational kind of methods and backgrounds you say hmm maybe that wasn't maybe that didn't prepare me you know as best as it could because of a lot of other factors mm-hmm. right and so i might say man i'm not gonna send my kid to to public schools here in Nashville because I I went through it and yeah, yeah I made it out but I know yeah. a lot of folks that didn't did, did. and didn't have the support we didn't have the resources we had, we didn't have the, just the the type of same you know funding that mm-hmm. other schools had right that are maybe not public schools or yeah. in different area codes with yeah. different income levels what would you say to that person that it's kind of discouraged because of what they went through as a kid in public schools here in Nashville to, to, to encourage them to invest <laughs> by sending their child um, to a public school. Hey, it ain't no way, shape, form, or fashion, well, I sit in front of parents and ask them to do something that I wouldn't do. Right. Now, I'm on the board of education. I see the budget. But as much as I see the budget on our $1.3 billion budget, I see the results. And it may not be enough money. $1.3 billion a year may not be enough money. But I would be damned if I tell a parent to take up your bootstraps and help make this academically poor school better our kids man my kid just turned one today it'll be no way in hell that i would send my kid to a felon school to prove a point Mm. we ain't we ain't living in that we ain't living in that at all and there's some people who will say that but anybody with power in this city in this country has not kept their kid in a low performance school my Mm. fight my fight because I know that and I know that to be true my fight is we deal directly with low performing schools to figure out why and we build them up 
for the new generation, but it's no way in hell I can tell a parent to send their kid. I don't know if people know what a priority school is, but a priority school is a school that operates in the bottom 5% academically, not in Nashville, in the state. It's two places in Nashville where the elementary, the middle, and the high school is bottom 5%. And that's the White's Creek cluster and the Maplewood cluster. The elementary school is the bottom five, the middle school is the bottom five, and the high school is bottom five, and I consider that criminal. Nobody ain't about to tell me to put my kid in there to help get it better. That ain't my job. I ain't getting paid for that. Right. At the end of the day, what I started with, I said education is the key. You can get in the door and you can walk through and sit down and sip a latte or green tea, but without a good education, you got to kick, you got to push, you got to right. pull. And I'm not in the business of setting parents up to be in a struggle. So, look, I got some pushback for you on that. Mm-hmm. What role What role is it the parent, right, mm-hmm. to help oh, man. that school, to help that cluster improve? Because if I'm a parent... And I'm and I and, and I'm just sending my my, mm-hmm. my child there and not actively involved in saying hey or going mm-hmm. to you know P, yeah. uh, PTOs or PTAs yeah. PTAs all and, of that uh, going to teacher conferences and yes. all this stuff that, you know like like do they in making sure and in investing because I yeah. think schools are part of community and so it's also I feel the accountability of the community around those schools. To, to, to invest and put in. It ain't got to be money mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, but, but, but your but, time. But time, though, right? Yeah. And holding leadership accountable. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going to not say nothing yeah. and and not and not go to school board meetings and speak mm-hmm. up. We need you. And so so what would you say to that? Yeah. Like, because... <laughs> what would you say? Because I'm in the... I'm really, as a parent, yeah. that, that plans on sending my school, my, my child to school here in Nashville... Yeah. I don't know what private school life yeah. is, but I know what public school life. But I know the numbers too. Yeah. But I, I let look me, at. Let I don't me know, break John. it down. Break it down for let you, me John. Break it down. Because a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people will be like, John, damn, John just went in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna go in again, and I'm gonna go in on a system, right? Right. When you think about this system, you think about in 1865 we had the Emancipation Proclamation, mm-hmm. and from that they created the Freedmen's Bureau. And black people got 40 acres in a mural. It was, it was proven. But in between that time and the 1900s, Jim Crow segregation came around. And when I talk about what I'm talking about, you know, these are laws and policies. This is the law of the land. They recreated separate but equal. It wasn't until 19, I may get it wrong, 55 that we passed Brown versus Board of Education, right? It wasn't until the 60s that we didn't have to move to the back of the bus as black people, right? But you know what happened in the 70s? And this is radical, but it's the truth. We had a war, the Iran-Contra war, where the president of the United States of America was proven of pumping drugs into the black community so much 
where they had to go to South Central L.A. and apologize because they got caught. This is our this is our federal government. This is our presidency putting drugs in the black community, putting guns in the black community. That's proven. And then you had the school to prison pipeline. And as I sit here, 37208 in Nashville is the most police zip code, not in Tennessee, but in the country. That's politics. That's government. So I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to keep going forward. So when they say, when they say, (laughs) stick it out for our public schools, I'm not going to cuss, but you got me messed up because the track record of people who are supposed to look out for me is not a good one. Mm -hmm. And I go back to it's $1.3 billion in our system today. I I never smelled a billion dollars. I don't know what it looked like even as a school board member. What I tell white, black, Latino, poor parents, do whatever the hell you got to do that's best for your kids. If it's the public school system, phenomenal. I'll welcome you with open arms. But if it ain't, it ain't because it's been proven that there have been plans against poor white people, against black people and against Latinos of the same people who run the system that we're trying to protect. Cut it out. I'm sorry. Cut it out. So with that, you feel like the fight is with the system. Mm-hmm. How do you defeat the system? As a school board member too, mm-hmm. how do you how do you how do you defeat that system mm-hmm. if you know, and you feel that it's already set up for a certain particular people students mm-hmm. to fail? It's proven. It's proven. We know mm-hmm. this, right? It's facts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are facts. As a school board member, how do you what do you do to combat that? What, do, what how do you yeah. take that on if you understand that? Yeah. And it's a system and your job. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and you have colleagues, you have peers that are up there with you. Yeah, yeah, teamwork. Teamwork, but this is team versus a system. Yeah. How do you combat that? You know. Because, of course, because you must believe that it can can be done because you ran for school board, Mm -hmm. you you won, Mm -hmm. and you're running again. Yeah, re-election. Re-election. So, therefore, you must see some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I'm going to speak on it. Like... Some people play chess. Some people play checkers. What I've done with my message is I go to the conservative Republicans. I go to the liberal Democrats. I go to the moderates. Is one thing that I hear consistently across the board that a school or schools didn't do right by my child. And so as a board member, you first have to understand what you're dealing with. Like I can, I can talk mess all day about why the system isn't working. I'm at the school board to do a few things to make sure every child is college, career, and community ready. Mm-hmm. College ready, even if they don't want to go to college, they're academically ready. Mm-hmm. Career, the city of Nashville is being rebuilt right now as we speak. I want to make sure the kids, they graduate from MMPS, they have the ability to be plumbers, pipe fitters, electricians, HVAC, because we know in our adulthood, those people make money and they don't have the college debt. But I also want to make sure when I, 
when I think about community. The only reason I got involved in politics because two blocks from here, a politician came to me and gave me a card. And I was working at the Hermitage Hotel and it helped me get into an internship with the governor's office. And I started to understand things in the governor's office as an intern that I wouldn't understand in a traditional classroom. And so, you know, this is not a race issue. This is a class issue. And, you know, we just got to, we got to, we got to just be honest where we are and where we want to go. And wherever we are and wherever we want to go, we got to create a plan on how do we get to the next place. And it hurts. Speaking of system, seems like the system is just going directly at you. Mm. You know, apparently you 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 don't live in District Four, <laughs> right? That's that's yeah. that's what they like. You, you yeah. know, Wilson County District Attorney Office, you know, has some questions whether mm-hmm. you you know whether you live in District Four. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? What is I don't know if you can speak on oh, it. Oh yeah, clearly. Yeah. But what 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 is that? What is that situation all about? I try to keep it real simple. People in politics, when they disagree with you, they do things. And they use the same system against you. And and as we think about the things that have popped up in the news, you know, I went to a hearing last Thursday for for four hours to to prove it. And I use that as a smokescreen and say, that's a smokescreen. But the reality is, have you looked at my inbox of my email and looked at the amount of parents that I re- that I work with, that I support? Have you looked at who I am as a person and how I show up in the community? Have you asked, and you asked, thank you, but how do you really want to help the community? At the end of the day, all that other stuff is a smokescreen. If we are here to affect positive change academically, social, emotionally, physically, we got to be about to work for our community. And if you ask people in Donaldson Hermitage and Old Hickory, I'm spending countless hours with a stipend trying to make real change. Do you feel like you was targeted purposely? I mean, I mean on that on that situation and during you know, re-election? Yeah. It is what it is. People have the right to feel how they want to feel, to speak directly to your question. Mm-hmm. Yes. But at the end of the day, you know what that makes me do? When someone comes with something that's negative and not in the purview of what we're focused on, I just work harder. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a story. I have a journey. I'm on my purpose I'm I'm not religious, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when people come with the BS and they don't talk about the needs of the community, right. it just makes me work hard every single day. And so there are two big things that I hear that's going on, or that's been going on in our in our school system. The pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um Mask, no mask, yeah. all of those things, right? Which has become politics, right? It's oh, yeah, political. yeah. And also critical race theory. Oh, yeah. 
what are your thoughts on again that's again that's a that's a public safety thing school mm-hmm. safety on masking things like that and where where the where the parents where mm-hmm. their voices in that versus school board members versus the city and the state and then your thoughts on critical race theory and and the school board what what do y'all yeah. see on that where the parents come in and where does the state come in yeah when i think about mask and crt i'm gonna keep it real simple because it's a smoke screen and when i think about mask you know the pandemic happened man two years ago now in early march maybe march 9th is when it first kicked off and so we're literally two years to the date you have some states like florida that went early with the unmasking you have some states like new york and new jersey that have been very stringent with the policies either way where we are now as mmps our director of schools made a decision to end the mask mandate after we come off of spring break, which is next week is spring break. And so after that week, we'll end the mask mandate. And I'm gonna follow the leadership of the superintendent because I've just seen it's time to open back up. I think we have to be safe. You know, a nurse reached out to me and she was like, cool, the mask mandate is ending, but if someone is sick, shouldn't they have to wear a mask in the nurse's office? Definitely. Like let's pass a policy to put on the mask. When I think about CRT, I'm going to say this, CRT, critical race theory. I don't have any time, any time to talk about critical race theory, nothing. So you ask me that, I'm giving it no time. You know what I do want to talk about? The amount of kids who cannot read on grade level Mm -hmm. by the third grade. Right, especially black boys especially black boys and so crt cool go have coffee talk about it Mm -hmm. but myself i only want to talk about how do we increase literacy rates amongst our children which is the definition of can they read and so what improvements then i would say or your or your improvements that you feel like your district Mm -hmm. specifically but also i think in general the the, the the county the county um should be looking to make to, to to make sure black boys can read yeah yeah by the third grade and everybody can read by the third everybody. grade um and, and making sure everybody's getting a just and equitable education and all the resources that they need to be the best student they can be yeah so one of the policies that i want to introduce in the very near future and we talked about this in the past is a personalized learning plan okay And what that means is as simple as you and me look the same, but we may learn differently. Right. And a one-size-fits-all model sets us up for failure. And so what I want to do is say, where is this kid doing great in that we need to support? But where are the deficits at? Maybe you're doing good in math, but you're struggling in reading. Great. Less math, more reading. That's personalized. For me, it may be the opposite. I may be doing great in math and bad in reading. And, well, vice versa. And we need to focus on that. I think the one-size-fits-all model is antiquated. I think when we look at our school system, 
and even as I think about algebra, like what if I would have been taught financial literacy? Right. How to invest in the stock market, how to maximize my 401ks and my Roth, the difference between a Roth and a traditional. Right. A personalized learning plan is something that I'll be pushing for because I believe the children of Nashville will be better once they graduate with an education that's personalized and not with a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah, they, um, you know, like... I really believe that more trades should be, you know what I'm saying, in schools, oh. you know, HVAC, barber, cosmetology, shop, all those things. Um, because, again, I might not be the best math, but I might know how to work well work with your hands, hands, you know, mm-hmm. and be able to wire this whole building yes. with electricity. Yes. And so, um, and I know we ha- we used to. Yes. Before my time and even maybe before your time. I graduated in 01. We had yeah. full vocational departments of auto mechanic. Yeah, so I, I don't know how many of those we have now <laughs> in Nashville, in public schools, but I'm very few, I'm sure. Um, and why did those disappear? I don't mm-hmm. know. They was trying to push more people towards the university college route. They were. Um, but, you know, it's not for everybody. It was some smart people in rooms who thought the best idea was every kid should go to college. In their excitement, they didn't realize we have buildings, we have cars, we have systems that need people who work well with their hands. And one of my biggest objectives and my focus is to make sure, right now they call it CTE, Career Technology Education, mm-hmm. and WBL, Work-Based Learning. It used to be vocation and co-op. Mm-hmm. And parents understand vocation and co-op. And so as you listen to me, I'll talk about vocation and co-op. The kids can talk about work-based learning and CTE, Career Technology Education. But we got to take it back to the basics. The city of Nashville right now, as I said, is being rebuilt before us. And in every building that's being rebuilt, they need plumbers, they need pipe fitters, they need electricians, they need right. HVAC. We have to realize if that's a demand and we're not focusing on that, we're falling behind. Mm. And sometimes you just got to keep it simple All right? and say, that's what we need. Let me make sure it can help. And I've been talking to people who really want that back. And not only do they want it back, they're willing to help. And that is, it's a gigantic focus on my reelection. Speaking of reelection, you know, you are already knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. You are already out there campaigning. Um, how have you been able to just keep that energy and stay tapped into the community, right? Um, with your stipend and just doing, just doing, and, you know, because you know you got another, you got another full time job, yeah. family, you know, uh-huh. child, you know, yeah. all these other, you know, very yeah. parts of your life, and still out there being able to 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 tap into yeah. the community. The gray hair is real. Yeah, you know, as a Christian, you know, when you look at some of the stories, you look at David and Goliath, and. Any story that we read or have read, we would always bet that Goliath would beat David. And when I think about what I believe in, 
what I'm doing full time, nine to five, mm-hmm. and then six to twelve. It, it's the David story, and when you participate in something that you believe in, right. that you're unapologetic about, that you believe all kids deserve a high quality education. Right. You know this hard work of working from sun up to sundown and then coming to this podcast is just. It's part of your purpose. Like, my purpose is education. I was kicked out of school, left for broke, and I believe that I deserve better than my time was not over. And Mm -hmm. once I made it to a particular point in my professional career, I just wanted to go back and, and help others. It's like you can teach a man... You can feed, if a man is hungry, you can feed him fish, or you can teach him how to fish. My whole purpose in life is teaching people how to fish. That's my passion. I just got excited. Like, that's what we need to be doing. What do you see as your your primary um, work, you know, sitting on the school board? You know, we have three responsibilities as a board member. One is to pass a budget, and I'll dig into that. The other is to evaluate the superintendent. I'll dig into that. And the last one is to make sure academic achievement increases. With those three, that's where I spend my time, evaluating the superintendent governance, realizing that Dr. Battle was our only employee, and she knows what she's doing, and I want to be a support system. We can agree or disagree on certain things, but at the end of the day, I want to be that support system. I want to be the support system for Dr. Battle. I want to be the support system for our teachers. I want to be the support system for our parents and students. When we think about a budget, right, another priority, it's $1.3 billion. Last year, it was $927 million. I want to make sure that money is funneling down to the teachers, to the classrooms, to the students, and kids getting a high-quality education. I just, I just think it's important. And then when we think about academics, like our kids, college, career, and community ready, and if they're not, what do we need to do? We want to just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Are kids flourishing or drowning in our school system? It's, it's a proven either way. Right. If they're flourishing, great. The data is there. If they're perishing, not good. The data is there. Let's take the emotion out of it. Where are we at? Flourishing or floundering? And what are we going to do about it? What's the solution? Right. Who's going to pull up their sleeves? Who's going to work hard to do what we need to do right. for our kids? How can parents best utilize the school board uh, and oh, its yeah. members? How can the parents... Cause because if, if, if my child is in a public school, I want to be at those meetings or I want to watch them online or, or something um, and have some input, mm-hmm. right? And and try to have as much influence on my school board member that's on my district as possible. What are some best practices and ways that community and parents um, can not only you know yeah. reach out to you specifically, but in general be a part of that process, which you know they should be able to. They tax dollars going into right. it. Yeah. I will put the onus on the system. Okay. The system is specifically in education, 1.3 billion just off the rip. That's not including money that's donated to us, PTOs, PTAs. 
the onus is on us to say, how do we over communicate with parents? Because mm-hmm. again, history has shown that systems have never done right by the people they serve. Right. Not in criminal justice, not in education, not in affordable housing. Right. The onus is on the system to say we have the money, we have the platform, we have a voice, let's make sure. And in my professional career, I work with Propel, and I meet parents each and every day who they send the best that they have to our public school system. But if they try to knock on the door, they're met with resistance. Mm. But in some places when they knock on the door, it's a red carpet. But in a lot of places, it's met with resistance. And we just got to realize that, look, man, we done treated parents like crap for decades. We have to change our customer service. That's why you rather t- take your child to Chick-fil-A than McDonald's. McDonald's was my go-to as a kid. Happy Meal, Ronald McDonald. But nowadays, it's Chick-fil-A. You know the only reason why? Customer service. Customer service. So you're not running unopposed. You know? Not at all. You have, you have a competition. Yes. Um, what differentiates you between um, your opponents that you're running against? It's trying to take your spot, essentially. Yeah. They're gunning for your spot. Yeah. They want your spot. They want your seat. It's good people are running, and as a political, I love politics. And the candidates that we have running really believe that hopefully the children deserve better. I think what makes us different is I can play chess, I can play checkers, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure, not just make sure, I want to be a part of our community changing for the better. Mm. And so that's what I spend the majority of my time doing, communicating with parents who don't look like me. My district is 80% Caucasian. And I spend my time listening, digging deep, and partnering on what's different. I think that's the difference in me as an organizer. Like, at the end of the day, I know if I do a good job, it can be a roadmap for the next district, maybe Antioch, maybe Madison, maybe Goodlettsville, maybe North Nashville. And so my only job is to do right by the community that I serve, and hopefully that can be a catalyst to everybody else. And, you know, if other candidates feel that way, I think that's phenomenal, and we all win. Right. But only one person can win. Only one person can win. Campaigning takes mm. money. Um, what are your donations looking like now? You just starting, you know, and who are they coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, because people care about that. People care about who's backing what candidate, especially in the school yeah. board. Uh, so could you talk about that a little bit about yeah. donations and, you know, some of the support you will receive? Yeah. I mean, I keep it simple. Uh, and to be transparent. I mean, I've been putting a lot of my own money into the campaign. And, you know, I realize that I need to raise money. And so this week is when I started, you know. I'm reaching out to the Parent Advisory Council with Metro National Public Schools. I'm reaching out to people who are doing vocational programs. I'm reaching out to teachers. And so 
You know, my, my money will reflect who wants to see our system do better. Mm-hmm. And right now, I mean, fundraising is hard. And so even making the, 25, the $25 calls and the $1,600 calls are the same. You know, I reached out to my mentee, Ryan, who I've just given him money since he's been trying to build it up. And I had to ask him for money. And it's just not easy. And, you know, I'll see how much he donated. But, you know, it's just part of the game. Right. It's part of the game. What do you see? Um, how, how long school board member turns of four? Four years. Four years. Four years. Um, some big elections happening just within this year oh, and yeah. next year, right? Yeah. We, have, we have judicial elections. Yeah. Eight years. District school attorney. School board. Four years, and then council members in twenty twenty three is another yeah. four years. So in the next four years, out of all the things we didn't talk about, about the system, about, yeah, about things that need to be improved, um, accountability, mm-hmm. just calling things where they are. Um, in the next four years, as possibly again, district four council, district four, I say council, school, school, school board, board. I know what you mean. This is for a school board. You know, how do you plan to continue making education a priority yeah. and if leveling up, as yeah. you mentioned, um, yeah. in that seat? I don't know if I'll run for re-election uh, because I never set out to be a career mm-hmm. politician. If the community wants it, you know, maybe. But at the end of the day... But this not even re-election after this one, but... If a, if if elected again, mm-hmm. what does four more years look like with you in that seat? I mean, it's it's really simple. What four more years looks like in this seat is making sure every child is college, career, and community ready. College ready. Right now, our ACTs, which is a line on how many kids go to college, is dismal. Right? It's dismal. When I think about career ready, when I want what I want to see in four years, I want to see our academies model, which people are in town right now in March. Today is March 9th. Times go by fast. Right now, March 9th, people from around the country are in Nashville to look at how we do our academy model. If we're bringing people in, we should see definitely a growth and a connection of our students who are graduating, going into fields, to help them be productive citizens. Where anything else, education or community-based, I want to make sure our parents, grandparents, and children can afford to live in Nashville. We will not have a school system if the cost of living continues to go up and we can't afford it. We won't open school, we won't have bus drivers, we won't have teachers. We got to focus on the soul of Nashville. The soul of Nashville is education and economic development, E2. And if we don't do that and we continue to punt those issues down the block, we will lose good families, good parents, good workers, because they can't afford to live in the it city. That's what I want to focus on. If people want to donate, support you, um, reach out to you, how do they do that? 
Yeah, man, thank you for that question. If you, if you would like to donate to this campaign, go to John Little for School Board, and it's spelled out J-O-H-N-L-I-T-T-L-E-F-O-R, School Board. I'm not going to keep going. It's, it's a marathon. <laughs> Sheesh. But donate. Look at my Facebook page. Look at the people who are supporting me. Like, I have over 50 teachers who are supporting the campaign. I'm working with bus drivers. I'm working with bus monitors, which are different. They're on a different pay grade. I'm working with parents, grandparents, students. Mm -hmm. Like, to continue to get my message out, unfortunately, I need resources. And I would ask that you check me out. Um, if you see something around residency, if you Google me, just know, you know, politics are local and people are going to, if I don't support what's in their best interest, which is outside of making sure every child is college, career, and communi community ready, that people can get nasty. And I just ask that if you're in this, you want to make sure our kids are doing better than what they're doing now. And right now, there's some communities who kids are graduating and can't read. In elementary, out of 100 kids, only 12 are doing math on grade level. Only nine are reading on grade level. And corona is a pandemic, but education in black, brown, and poor communities is our, is our pandemic that we're faced with now. John, I appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Uh, and um, got to bring you back, man. You said some yeah. real things that I think people going to want to to go even deep on. Yeah. Um, mm. No lack of outspokenness here. <laughs> no, I mean, no, we, we no, said deep, deep dish. dish. Yeah, no, and I love it. I, I love it. Yeah, man. I, I love I it. Didn't, I didn't try to be political. No, I just tried no. to speak from the heart. No, and that's 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 what people want, though. Yeah. That's what people want, and definitely the viewers and listeners here, like they, that's what they come here to see. They know they're going to get, you know, the real, the deep, the non-formal. Yeah. People, want, people want real answers from real community members that yeah. just happen to be in positions that um, affect change. Affect change, yeah. right? Affect change if used properly. Yes. Right? And so I thank you for, for coming, um, and good luck on your campaign. And, um, you know, anything Deep Dish can do to further the education uh, system here, you know, we're here to do it. Well, you have a vested interest in seeing our education system better, and so I'll call upon you like I call upon our parents. Like, let's help make this system better. For but sure. it takes, it's not with handshakes and smiles. Right. No, you got to get yeah. dirty. You got to get dirty. Until next time. Until next time.